All right, folks, uh, Brock Lurie on the Brock Lurie podcast. Thanks so much uh, for being with us. And of course, my erstwhile friend, Ari David, also here. And we also have a guest speaker, uh, James P. Bradley, who is running as a constitutional conservative for the 33rd congressional seat in California against Ted Lieu. I'll share some thoughts I have about Ted Lieu with you. Lou being the first syllable of the word loser. Uh, I don't know if that, I'm the first one to say that or not, but I'm going to say it there. And the name Lou is also a uh, uh, synonym for, or a, uh, is it a slang word for bathroom? <laughs> oh, yeah, the Lou, yeah. Yeah, that's right, in England, that's for sure. So, but, so look, we want to talk about a lot of topics today, but one of the things, of course, is, you know, it's what I call the, the theme word, a theme of um, uh, backfiring. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Backfiring. Okay, so it's a really fascinating area because uh, when, you, um, when you have to look at all the um, issues of the day, so many of them are about backfiring. What do I mean by that? Okay, you've heard me say before about the Democrats being the party of irony, right? That everything that they do, every policy that they advance is uh, it leads to the, uh, you know, ironically, to the opposite result. That's irony, right? That's why I say the, the Democrats, delivering irony to you since 1964, okay? Um, they're also the party of unpredictability. Uh, the also, they're also the party of uh, not considering consequences. And there are many themes about this. And, I, and I've often talked about how there's not one single policy that Democrats have advanced that Republicans have opposed that has worked, not one. And I, I don't know, Ari, if you've told our good guest here uh, my challenge, and you should challenge Ted Lou on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, just Ted, what policy have you advanced, or for that matter, any Democrat ever advanced that Republicans were opposed to that has ever worked? Oh, and Ted, if you answer that question meaningfully with a correct answer of any kind, I don't know of any such thing, but if you show me, I, pr- I promise you, I will vote Democrat for the rest of my life. I will re-register as a Democrat, <clears throat> be on your side, uh, go to all your campaign rallies and such. I will dump my campaign. And, uh, and that, not only that, but I'll also vote for any proposition on the ballot the way you, Ted Lieu, or anybody wants me to, to vote for it. Deal? Do we have a deal? Does that seem like a fair thing? And I, I did this with um, a good friend of mine who is a very staunch liberal. I should say a lefty, really. And I, and I made that offer to him. And he was very excited. And I said, oh, before you even say, I see you're chomping at the bit. Before you answer, I'll do you one better. You don't have to answer me now. You don't have to, I, you, can, you can go way past five minutes from now. You can, go, you can call me up in five hours. You can call me in five days. Hell, you can call me up in five years and come up with one and the deal will still be on. To this day, I made that offer about eight years ago. To this day, he can't come up with one. Mm. Now, he's tried, so, but they're always the same three ones, and you've, I've heard it from many different liberals. It's um, the uh, Social Security, FDR's New Deal, um, and Civil Rights, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. We don't need to get into that now because we all know that those are all bunk. Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. The FDR, uh, for being such a great deal, the Great New Deal, 
uh, why did they completely reverse it? Because apparently it wasn't such a great new deal. Um, and anything that's left over, like Social Security, has been an utter failure. Um, and then finally, civil rights, the Civil Rights Act. We know that, in fact, the Civil Rights Acts were actually preceded in 1964 by the Eisenhower administration, which, if I were Kamala Harris, I would have to explain to my, um, my idiot followers that that was a Republican uh, administration because they apparently don't know that because they also don't know what the word debt or bounty means uh, according to her debate performance the other day. Okay, so that is a challenge that is worth making to any of your lefty friends. It's a very easy debate topic and it makes the other side just go, uh, 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 right? Uh, I suppose, and we'll get into this in a moment um, because it's somewhat relevant to the news, we'll, we can talk about Obamacare. And they might say, well, Obamacare has been a success. And we can say, no, it hasn't. And we'll explain why. But anyway, let me introduce the good James P. Bradley. He's uh, running, as I said, against Ted Lieu. He's a decorated Coast Guard search and rescue veteran who served our country under President Ronald Reagan. James Bradley stands for faith, family, and freedom, including parental, individual, and health freedoms. He spent 30 years in healthcare in various executive roles, modernizing and improving medical systems. He's pretty awesome, including telemedicine, by the way, which, surprise, surprise, has become very relevant these days. Uh, hallmarks of James Bradley's leadership platform include being a strong constitutionalist, a strong conservative, strong advocate for veterans who is pro-law and order, pro-life, and pro-parental health rights. Uh, in other words, he's pretty awesome. Okay? Uh, James Bradley also proudly stands with Israel, and locally, James Bradley plans to aggressively resolve a homeless issue that continues to grow and plague District 33. Through lower tax proposals, James Bradley wants to stop business flight and destruction. And uh, he believes that District 33 has limitless potential. Given our Silicon Beach, for example, hundreds of technology startups and the many universities and think tanks to help make our district really golden again. And I, and I think you're right. I really do. Well, anyway, welcome, James Bradley, to the Brock Lurie Podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you and also with your listeners. Uh, they really are great listeners, and they're very <laughs> interactive, and I, I really so enjoy this podcast. Ari, we've been at this for, what, 12 years or so? Yes. Crazy. Crazy. Careful, you're showing your age. I, yeah, well, that's true. Well, I might be 24. Who knows? <laughs> so, um, yeah, we started this as kids in our, our mom's basement. It was totally cool. That's where most of the students <laughs> are not today. That's right. so true. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If there were basements in Gorse, uh, Silicon Valley or Silicon Beach, very few. Anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit because, you know, rather than get into your specific policies and sure. such, I, I really, we want to hear your mind at work. Okay. Uh, as well as our minds of work. And, and one of the things I've noticed as I'm watching the, the Amy Coney Barrett um, judicial proceedings that are happening presently, I think to myself, man, this is backfiring on the Democrats. Oh, clearly. Right? Yeah. I mean, she's looking awesome. Yeah. Um, she, even that one very cute moment where she's asked to hold up her notepad, and it's, it's empty because she's you know, clearly not referring to anything. Her mind is so incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and not that anyone would begrudge her for taking notes in order to keep track of all these myriad things that these various Democrat senators are throwing at her. You know, that, that'd be fine. But she, she doesn't have to. She just doesn't have to. She's amazing. And uh, she keeps her cool. She keeps composure. Her intellect shines through. There's no uh, gotcha moments. But you said this. Wait a minute. Let's go back. Just on day one of your testimony, you said X and now you're saying the opposite. Nothing like that. You don't see her sweat. You see her proud to be a Catholic, 
proud to be a conservative, proud to be an American, proud to be a mom uh, of seven children, no less, two of whom are adopted, one of whom, as I understand it, has uh, developmental issues, mm -hmm. and two of whom are, uh, are black uh, adopted kids from Haiti. Like, I mean, what are you going to do with that? I mean, how can you possibly fight that? So, oh, I know. Oh, who is that woman from, hey, from Hawaii, mm -hmm. uh, the senator from Hawaii, who said, uh, have you ever uh, inappropriately uh, sexually uh, harassed anybody? And Barrett's like, no. <laughs> have you ever been accused of it? No. Have you ever been at one of Brett Kavanaugh's parties? Yeah, yeah so might as well, right? Yeah, really. Yeah, because I hear it's a rage. Anyway, uh, what with all the, uh, the rape rooms and such going on there? Mm -hmm. it, anyway, it's it just horrible what, what they did. So it's as if they're trying to get under her skin, right? I mean, yeah, clearly. but the whole thing, I think, has backfired on them. That's my point. And then I think, wait. The Democrats, they're the party of backfiring <laughs> all the time, right? <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, and, and you have experience now in politics and such. But let, I mean, just for example, the filibuster rule, right? right? Where they, they thought for certain that this woman, her name was Hillary Rodham Clinton. Apparently, she was the nominee for the Democrats in 2016. Long story, I can get to it, I can prove it to you, but you should Google it. Uh, <laughs> she's fairly irrelevant now. <laughs> but I'm, I swear to you, she might have been president. And they actually thought this woman would win. And so in the process, they got rid of the, the filibuster rule because they, they, they thought that would inure to their benefit because there were so many vacancies in the various district courts of the, the land, mm -hmm. and, um, and not just district courts, but also the, um, the appellate courts. And this was a great opportunity by getting rid of the filibuster rule to um, have a, uh, you know, just install anybody that they want with as, as, as the most left-leaning possible. They were wrong, right? And it backfired on them. And now with the filibuster gone, Trump just went in and filled all those <laughs> seats with diehard conservatives. And of course, we now know that, that she will be the third nominee to be appointed to the Supreme Court justice in less than four years for the Trump administration. That's just one example of backfiring. Uh, another example of backfiring is, is how they present um, all their policies regarding homelessness, for example, that, and I know that's a big issue for you. Mm -hmm. um, they advocated for uh, all sorts of uh, social programs for the homeless and building buildings for the homeless, only to have more homeless as a result of that. Oops, we call that a backfire. Um, and there are many other examples of backfiring, and Ari, you can think of them, I'm sure, as well, too. But How much time have you got? Yeah. <laughs> Probably the whole show. The history of backfire. But, but you know, look, I, I've been speaking too much. Um, so, and I want to hear from, from James Bradley, um, uh, a young gentleman oh, who is, uh, he's, he's a mere 62. 62. Yeah, he's very yeah. seasoned, has great experience. Uh, anyway, go ahead and, and tell us a little bit about your thoughts about the backfiring or anything else you like. It's like it kind of permeates the whole uh, Democrat regime here in California and nationally. Regime, I like it. Oh, yeah. And you, of course, we're always that recall effort going forward with uh, Gruesome Newsome. <laughs> and uh, we're making some good strides there. I was part of the initial movement to get that uh, moving forward. So they, I think they've collected enough signatures for that. But, you know, we are in a, uh, I often call it communist California We've gone so far left. And, you know, I, I'd never had any interest in politics until Donald Trump ran. To be honest with you, I was an independent for years. Is that right? Fantastic. Oh, yeah. I love hearing that. 
I, I, I didn't believe in party. I believe in platform. I believe in what's right for Americans and uh, more importantly me back at the time because I was, I, I was an executive in healthcare. And yeah. with uh, Obamacare, well, that's a backfire right there for us. Obamacare. Right. The biggest train wreck in medical history. We went from the prominent premier healthcare provi- providers in the world. I think we're number 25 worldwide now. Oh, it's pathetic, isn't it? Look, I mean, other examples of backfire, now that I think about it, is, of course, and they're very recent, is what happened with the riots oh. and what happened with the COVID response, generally speaking. They thought by shutting down the entire economy that, that it would make Trump look bad. I mean, we all know that's exactly what they were gunning for. Mm-hmm. Instead, they end up looking like the schmucks, right? <laughs> it's Gavin Newsom who shut down the schools. It's, it's Eric Garcetti who's refused to allow the theaters to open and the beaches and so on like that. Not Trump. You Trump know, has been saying, uh, you know, reopen, reopen, reopen. And this, this economic decline that we've had, he just pushed up another, another uh, executive order for reparations. Good timing, Gavin. Oh, God, crazy. <laughs> yeah, we can afford that, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, putting aside the unconstitutionality of it, putting aside the unwieldiness of it, you know, putting, putting aside the racism of it, oh. right? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, and then, then one other thing I want to say about the... Uh, it's about the, the riots. Oh, yeah. Talk about the, the backfiring on that. They, they decided, well, these riots can be good for us because it looks like it's a country out of control. And, and who's president? Oh, look, it's Donald J. Trump. Mm-hmm. He must be responsible for this. So uh, let's punish him at, at the ballot box. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and as soon as uh, Biden wins the glorious day, then we'll turn this all around. Thank you very much. Um, but it turns out, no, they're, they're blaming the, de- the Democrats Sorry, the people are blaming the Democrats yet again on this issue. You yeah, know, but it's in the Democrats. I just wanted to say that if any reparations are due to anyone in California right now, it's the victims of the public school system yes. and the taxpayers who fit the bill for this corrupt monstrosity of Democrat Party monopolistic politics, mm-hmm. the public yeah. school you know, machine. Oh, and how about the reparations to those business owners whose businesses have been totally destroyed? Yeah. How about that? I mean, to some extent, the PPP loans are, are exactly that. But in terms of actually getting uh, them back on their feet and everything else, I mean, it's, no. it's not enough. Of course, it's not going to be enough. Yeah. It's, it's a disaster what happened. We, we will look back on the COVID response, the shutdown, as the single greatest mistake of, of world civilization. It, it was really awful. Um, so who is this lovely lady that's with you today? This is Susanna Scheel. She's my campaign manager, complete volunteer, a woman of God, because I believe in God. I think more people should. That's outrageous. <laughs> oh, my God. Who, who, Ari, who do you bring in here? Are they these people that are believing God? I mean, oh, my God. What? That fictional creature up there in the sky, I, I, I assume that you think that he's going to take care of you and Barack, you perform magic for you. God? Yeah, but that's beside the point. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she happens to be my largest donor, uh, donation, uh, well, donor, excuse me. I'm just losing my, she's so beautiful, by the she way. She is beautiful. Oh, oh, amazing. Oh, really quickly, uh, you better say the website where people can max out their, yes. what's the max donation as a 2500 uh, per 2800. person? By the way, this is non-political, but yeah, if you want to throw a few uh, coins my way, $2,800 is the maximum. And by the way, we're completely grassroots, no pack. And what website do you go to to make that donation? Oh, yeah, that'll be uh, Bradley Congress, Bradley Congress, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y, congress.com. Real simple. Fantastic. All right. Well, that's good. I, I highly recommend it. I'm going to be contributing myself as well. I always like well. to get oh, the money it. part yep. out there. You <laughs> Thank know. you. Yeah. So the election's on November 3rd. Right. 
and uh, you're, you're, you must be gearing up uh, like, like nobody's business now. You know, it's funny, um, you know, because they don't know my history, and I'll just make it real quick. I ran against Dianne Feinstein last election, and there were 32 candidates in the, in the race, and I came out when I picked a party, because I was a little undecided before I ran that race of where to go. Uh, obviously constitutional conservative, I had to go Republican, and I am. So out of the 32 candidates, we came out as the top Republican in that race. Fantastic. So this was not my first uh, entree into politics. Right. So now we have a lot more. So what I'm going with this is that... Not your first rodeo. Rodeo. Uh, I, I look at it this way. You know, people get really nervous around this time of year, especially in the election cycle. I don't. I don't. I say, hey, listen, it's, gonna, it's God's going to happen. It's going to make it happen. It's going to be God's will. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason why I'm doing this, and I have this sense of calmness about me. And those are the ones that bring it around me as well. Well, yeah, exactly. So one thing I wanted to capture with you is Ted Lieu himself, because that's who has been winning these past congressional, because he's a Democrat district. We know that. This is your year. This is the year to win. Um, and it's not just riding on the coattails of Donald Trump. Um, uh, to some extent, that's very powerful. The, the mood of the country is, I am sick of this. I'm sick of the Democrats. And you know what? Maybe Trump's right. What have you done for me lately? In fact, what have you ever done for me? Uh, it, I feel like, you know, it's um, the Wizard of Oz. You know, you, you pull the curtain and there he is, this guy that's just doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if anything, he's only manipulating you. Mm -hmm. And that's what's been going on. So I talked to Ted Lieu directly. Uh, at one point, uh, he was at uh, some sort of APEC function, I think. And I said, because I was considering a run for Congress myself a long time ago. And I got involved and I got a lot of money for it. And I eventually pulled out of it because I, I didn't want to fight um, where I, it's a whole bunch of reasons behind it but, it. but in the process, I learned a lot. And I talked to Ted and I said, uh, how is it to be a congressman? Even though he's a Democrat, I knew that. He said, it sucks. He says, yeah, he just he was very point blank with me. He just doesn't like it. He goes, eh, you, you don't, I don't know. He didn't know if I was a Democrat. He assumed I was a Democrat, so I'm, I'm Jewish, right? Right, right? So I didn't let on. He goes, yeah, it's not so much fun. It's, um, you've got, uh, you got to go to all these different functions. You're expected there all the time, and you don't really care about this organization or that. And you got to fly to D.C. all the time to vote. And back then, when before COVID, of course, but... Um, you know, you know, kiss, kiss your family goodbye, that sort of thing. And, you know, you're just a warm body. Um, you, you, they expect you to vote reliably on the Democrat platform, presumably by the Republicans. And, uh, you know, so you just feel like you're a bean counter, you know, and, and he just, he was not enthusiastic about mm. anything, this schmuck. Mm -hmm. And I was angry, uh, not because he was a Democrat, but because he clearly was just kind of, filling in the seats as a warm body. And there, he didn't have any passion at all. Can you say puppet? Yeah, he was a puppet. Yeah. Exactly right. And he'll just do whatever the masters tell him to do. And just like, dude, step away. Let somebody, even a Democrat, right. who has passion about something. I mean, I, I don't like Maxine Waters, but damn it, she has passion. I mean, she's passionate in the wrong direction. Impeach 45. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but she's not like, oh, let me show up at work. You know, she doesn't have a nine to five attitude. Okay. Right. As bad as she is. I'm not celebrating her in any way. But, mm -hmm. but I, I, I mean, Ted Lieu just bothered me. I remember being so annoyed, so angry with him. Oh. And, you know, at the same time, I thought to myself, do I have the passion to be a Republican thing? And, and, and I, I did. I certainly do. 
but um, I'm going to let people like you who are passionate about it, mm-hmm. do your thing. And Ari and I and uh, my radio show <laughs> on Sundays, I will do it on, with my own, in my own way. And damn it, I think we do it pretty well. Yeah. Um, and now at this point with all my books and everything, they, there's no way I can run for Congress. The truth is out. Mr. Lurie, on page 316 of this book. You say you believe in God, do you? <laughs> yes, I do. Is that a problem? Yes, it is. Yeah, where Carry is him this away. God you're talking about? <laughs> this, yeah. Do I see him? No. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt you. But I'm very excited about your future. You do have that passion. I'm seeing it very clearly about it. And the things that you've done in the past... Tell me about, as you said, you were independent. When did you become, you know, a, a, an identifiable Republican? Uh, the 2018 election against Dianne Feinstein. Okay. I had, a, I had to pick the poison, but, you know, I think, and I'm not saying Ill, Ill about, well, I can say ill about one particular party, that would be the Democrat Party, with the level of decay we've experienced over the last, what, several decades here in California. So... My my values and principles align clearly with the Republican Party. However, they have their issues too, right? Of course. So independence is always where we want to be because critical thinkers tend to be independent. So the, my decision to run as a Republican was in 2018, running against Dianne Feinstein. That's awesome. Okay, well, I'm, I'm proud that you were there. Yeah. And now you, I think you were... I mean, it seems to, looking at your history, it seems you've always adopted Republican values, always. conservative values. So. Always, yeah. And so you went there. That's great. I'm, I'm just so pleased about it. One of the things, and kind of in your defense, so to speak, because mm-hmm. um, a voter might say, well, wait a minute, he wasn't even registered as a Republican until 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but in your defense, so to speak, um, the truth is there was little difference between Republicans and Democrats. I mean, there was, of course, but... There was so much, the, the party of McCain, the party of Romney, the party of even H.W. Um, Bush, and to a lesser extent, George W. Bush, but they, they were like, they were so um, vanilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, yeah. they were kind of showing up, officially stating these positions, and then never, of course, ever activating those positions. Mm-hmm. And here comes Trump that shows us the way mm-hmm. that, hey, listen, I, when I said I'm going to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, I, I met that crap. Bam. Yeah, um, right? Yeah. When he talks about God, he means it. Mm-hmm. Um, when he talks about his faith in, in Christianity, he means it. I mean, damn it, this man, this man just executes. I mean, he's the, he's, the, he's the executor, the chief executor of the United States, the president. That's what he's supposed to be doing, and he's doing it. And, and he actually was a Democrat, Donald Trump was. He was also, a, I think it was a libertarian. So he kind of floated around to find his place in the sun. And right. unfortunately, the way... Politics works. You can never win as an independent or a libertarian. Unfortunate, because there's a lot of values in both. I believe in strongly in bringing um, bringing solutions in essence for lower government, because we're, we're, the government overreach in California we're experiencing firsthand. Really, businesses are leaving. Homeless population is increasing now up to sixty six thousand, recent count, and of which we have over forty five hundred homeless veterans have been pushed out from just down the street from here. Wow. Yeah, a home for veterans. Yeah. That's not used for veterans. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So we've been on that for the last year, dealing with the homeless situation in our district. And by the way, we are the most affluent district in, in the state, if not the entire United States. And we have the, this is the epicenter, aside from Skid Row down in downtown L.A., 
of, of the homeless. Wow. And there's a lot of reasons for that. What uh, does the polling show for your chances of success in uh, November? You know, unfortunately, the congressional races, they don't do the, the uh, Berkeley polls or the Garabas marketing polls. You do your own internal polls. We did a sample about a month ago, about a, roughly 1,000 people. We were looking at 5% above ahead of Ted Lieu. Why? Because of riots, lawlessness, his stand with BLM uh, in defunding the police. And now he's pushing the Green Deal. He has over the last two years. And in the last uh, town hall that he had, one of the constituents went up to him and said, Ted Lieu, you're pushing the Green Deal. What's going to happen to my job working in, in the refineries or in the petroleum industry? And he said? He said, I guess you're just going to have to find another job. What a schmuck. I mean, that's just not the answer that, that anyone wants to hear. Uh, very similar to what Biden just recently said when he was confronted with the fact that uh, people are showing that they are happier now with their financial situation than they were in 2016, and therefore, you know, they, they might very well vote for Trump. And then it says, well, people feel that way, they shouldn't vote for me. That's a, that, that is an absurd response. Wow. Uh, but look, back to you as, as an individual. I love your, your history because oh, you. I, I have been, uh, both Ari and I were Democrats once upon a time. I was an atheist once upon a time. Oh. I know it deeply. I know it better than most atheists do. <laughs> um, I think I know the, the liberal platform better than most uh, d Democrats and liberals do. But I'm, I'm excited about your future about this because it shows that you've given a lot of thought Thank to you. the conservative positions. Uh, and that you would want to advance that. You're, you're, you're not conservative because, you know, that's what your mom and, and, and daddy uh, were, and, and this is what's in your family blood. You're a fighter for it, yes. and that's what we need. Listen, I want to thank you so much for being here today on the Barack Larry Podcast. Uh, God bless you. Godspeed, and uh, keep up your faith in Christianity. Uh, that's what we need uh, so badly in these days. All right. Thank you again. My pleasure, and thank you, everyone. Go vote. This <laughs> is our time to win this. Yeah, and I would, I would say vote in person, Republicans, yes. in yes. person. Bring in your mail-in, this is just me, but bring in your mail-in ballot to the polling place, surrender it, to, and get a real ballot that they can run through the machine while you're there. Yeah, yeah, that's the only way, and I think that's one of the backfires, by the way, that we talked about before. Yeah. Listen, God bless and Godspeed. And he was amazing. He was just amazing, uh, this guy. I, I just, I'm really excited about him because he's passionate, right? I mean, it's... Like I said about Ted, uh, Ted uh, Lou, he it just that doesn't have it in him. I don't think he had it in it for a moment, and that's that's sad. Now, now this guy, he's uh, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, Ted Lou is like that old joke from Seinfeld when he worked for uh, uh, Kruger Industrial Smoothing. They don't care, and it shows. <laughs> remember, remember that character? Yes. yes. You know, uh, Mr. Kruger, we're losing money. Ah, whatever, George. You know, that's that's toxic, Ted. And you get that way when you're so entrenched and you believe you'll never be unelected because of the voter registration ratio and the media bias and you know the whatever political strata of, of uh, statistics they they you know, analyze their data from, they've concluded they can't lose here, so they can do anything to us. One of the things that uh, a good commentator that I know has said, and he's a friend of mine, uh, he's a well-known commentator, he said that the greatest thing that uh, Trump has done for us is to be able, uh, well, to take off the mask, as it were, of the Democrats and to show them for what they really are, and, and, and that's, that's cool. And he's 100% right. Another thing that Trump has done, he's allowed us to be who we are. He's allowed us, uh, in, in our side, 
to be brash, to be bold, to realize that courage is respected. People like courage. People like, I mean, every time I hear a Trump rally, I, I can't wait. I, I just listen and listen. And because Trump is awesome. And it's not that he's saying different things every time. It's not as if he's waxing poetic and teaching me new things and, and learning that way. No, no, he, it's the passion that I so enjoy. The, he, he's saying the obvious in many ways to say like, you know, the Democrats don't get you. They don't understand what the population is really doing. And that's proved, approved by my election in 2016. Uh, and people love him. And then they say, I love you. I love you. That's the latest thing, right? And it's this, this freeing of the spirit of the American voter is audacious and wonderful. It's American. Let's it really is a very, it's very, yeah, I like that. Sense. When you see the Trump rallies end and YMCA, a party disco song plays, and Trump even dances, maybe not well, but with love and fun, and you see him having the time of his life. An utterly American experience. It's why, it's what our country is. It's what the promise of Israel uh, from God was to the Israelites when they left Egypt to sing and dance, raise your voice and sing, be free, cel celebrate the best of life. And that's what Trump embodies, and that's what the American voter has had squelched out of them by, um, by Republican and Democrat establishment mediocrity. Uh, Tucker Carlson says it so well about Whitmer, Gruesome Newsome, Cuomo, and uh, Gar Garcetti. He says, never have such mediocre people grab so much power and believed in their in their own false exceptionalism. Well, that's and exactly it's so right. true. And I've said this time and time again to my associates in my office and otherwise, where I say never be mean, and never be mean generally speaking, but especially uh, beware of people with very, who make very little money, but who have a lot of power. And that applies to, you know, clerks of the court. They're very nice people. Most, I mean, really, most of the time, they're very nice. Yeah, but bureaucrats But every, who, but, but, but yeah. every once in a while, you get a bureaucrat. And if you're not respectful, at the very least, with them, they have a lot of power. Yeah. They, can, they can lose files, for example. And then all of a sudden, you, you have to explain to the judge that the file was lost by your clerk. And, of course, the judge will side with the clerk. You get the idea. And it's even more of an extreme when you're talking about a gruesome Newsom, as you say, or Eric Garcetti, these, these guys are losers. They really are. They're not very bright people. Um, and yet they have extraordinary power. They, they can, I mean, it's not just losing a file. These guys can impose laws on us to the extent that, that all of a sudden we all have to wear masks. We're, the latest law that Newsom is pushing is that you cannot get together with more than three families uh, for more than two hours at a time. And you cannot sing while you're together. Even in your own home. Even in your own home, exactly right. That's an extraordinary place for an American political leader with power to go vis-a-vis -vis the people who are his now viewed as his subjects rather than him viewing himself as a servant of the voters. Right. It's an amazing <clears throat> reversal. It is, and, and that's the small, small, uh, small man with big power sort of issue. And that's what we're seeing, and, and the people are so sick of it. Look, I want to go back to the whole notion of uh, things backfiring, because it really does backfire. This is one of those examples where they make all these laws, and they think that people are just so jiggy with it, that they love this. 
And, I, and there's a small group of people who do love this. I think there's a small group of people who love wearing masks while they're in the car. Why? And why, while they're running for that matter. The reason why is because they get the, a feeling that somebody is in control. Somebody is making things happen, that they're part of something bigger, an agenda. In this case, this, this agenda to, to stop the spread of COVID and they're fighting, they're do, doing their part in fighting this terrible disease. Right, their lives, as I've told, said many times about other subjects that have similarities, they suddenly feel like finally their life has a meaning, big meaning. Yes. And people who, whose lives don't have big meaning who find big meaning in this kind of event are very dangerous people, like the clerk or bureaucrat you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, and the clerk, to, to his or her credit, you know, they, they just want to be respected. That's, that's fine. And if you're nice to them and just say, hey, how, how's it going? Wow, can you imagine this weather? Uh, boy, I've got kids. Do you have any kids? That sort of thing. That's all they want. It's fine. They're normal people. They, they don't have power lust. Uh, Gavin Newsom and Eric Garcetti are like these people on, on steroids. But again, back to you know backfiring. Uh, that is a big backfire. The riots were a big backfire, huge backfire. Th this notion, somebody, I'm telling you, Ari, because the talking points are all the same. They use the same language. Uh, somebody must have told them that we will call them mostly peaceful protesters, right? Uh, that you know the violent protesters virtually don't exist. It's all a fiction of the Republicans. Uh, and, and then to mock Trump uh, in the sense that he's presenting himself as the law and order candidate. Uh, these are things that they threw out there and thinking that people would buy it. But it, it, of course it didn't buy. And nobody bought, it, bought that at all. In fact, now it's backfiring dramatically in favor of the Republicans. They do not like this. Uh, same thing with the COVID response. How it is that the Democrats thought they could get away with it by somehow blaming Trump for the COVID response and that but for him and his lackluster response, which is not true, by the way, but nevertheless, that's the talking point, that but for him and his lackluster response, we would have our schools open. You'd be able to have your restaurants and go to your theaters and, and meet up with your friends and family. But no, that bad orange man because he was so bad, uh, he managed to prevent this. And look at this terrible economy. And we know that from uh, Kamala Harris when she talks in her debate, and that's the major speaking point. This is the greatest single loss of, of jobs in American history. Uh, so, but, but of course, leaving out the COVID. <laughs> that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big elephant in the yeah, room, so to speak. The COVID and specifically the large population blue Democrat-controlled states continued <clears throat> irrational shutdowns merely to sabotage the economy and give them a talking point. Well, wow, really nice of you to impoverish me and my friends and neighbors just so you have a talking point. Yeah. What oh. a despicable party. And, and we saw time and time again from uh, um, Will Witt, for example, from PragerU, he would interview people, and I know it's anecdotal, but he would. He, it's not as if he found somebody who thought something crazy and then reported on him. Uh, he found, he, he just picked random people in the street. How many people are you willing to die from, have died from COVID if you knew that that would uh, stop Trump from being president? He'd already established that the guy was a Democrat. And the guy said very boldly, millions, millions, whatever it takes. But so it, it, that, that is the approach. And that's when I knew that we've got a very savage uh, election on our hands. But guess what, folks? Things are really looking good for Trump. Um, I, the, the, the polls 
I mean, especially Trafalgar, they're showing very nicely for, for Trump. I did some research recently about what happened in 2016. Uh, and it's even going to be even more of an extreme situation yeah, in 2020. Yeah, and the black and Latino support is holding. That's not a fluke. That's real. It will translate to votes. It could be the end of the Democrat Party as we know it. Thank God. God willing. Listen, thank you so much, Ari, for your thoughts on this and also for the, the, the great uh, interview that we had with him. I, I just... With James know. Bradley. James Bradley, specifically. Yeah. Congressional candidate, California's <coughs> 33rd district. That's West LA people, so vote for him. It's a hard fight, but we got to get out. We can do this. All right, Brock Lurie signing off. God bless, and we'll talk with you next week.